0: it's time for you to add value. Just wanted to mention this episode was recorded earlier and as our audience grows, we just wanted to share some of the value from our earlier episodes. Today, I'm excited to welcome Nathan and Zach. Zach Centrin and Nathan Stern are commercial real estate brokers and developers focusing on food and beverage. They've been working with food and beverage groups and restaurants all around the area, mostly helping and find real estate to open and expand. They work in all areas, full service restaurant, fast casual, bar, brewery, distillery, coffee, and my favorite, ice cream. Currently, they're working in food halls and that's the inspiration for their food hall in Pueblo, Colorado named uh, Fuel and Iron. And I'm just excited about their concept of serving the community of restaurant incubators, and they just have a great vision for with a community focus. And so I'm looking forward to my chat today with Nathan and Zach. Man, Nathan and Zach, I'm sure glad you, you guys are willing to join me today. And I just look forward to to sharing your story and and sharing some of your process as entrepreneurs. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about this this new concept and, that you guys are, are bringing together? I know it started out as a, a food hall, but Tell us how that's morphed.
1: Well, well, thanks, Robert. Great great to be here. Really appreciate you having us on. Um, So, you know, Zach and I, our background is in commercial real estate brokerage, focusing on the food and beverage industry uh, here in Denver. So we work with about 40 different food and beverage businesses, helping them find space. And we noticed a few years ago that a lot of our clients uh, were coming out of food halls, And the clients that were coming out of food halls that we were working with to help them find uh, standalone restaurant locations, we just found that they were a lot better prepared in every metric that you could think of compared to a similarly situated client that didn't have that retail experience at a food hall. So they were better capitalized because generally they had made money at the food hall. They had a brand, they were recognized, they had a customer base. And for, for us interacting with landlords and trying to sell landlords on their concept, It just made our lives so much easier because the landlord you know would either recognize them from having been to the food hall or he could just go and and try their food or she and you know really get a a sense of the brand and that came off way better than trying to ascertain the value of a business from a business plan when they couldn't actually try the food so you know when we looked at it we just thought food halls were really great incubators for restaurants and our focus is working with local independent restaurants and working with a lot of startups and so we we just really became big believers in the food hall model to help that next generation of chefs really grow and launch successful food and beverage careers. And we looked at the landscape, and we saw that there were a number of food halls down in Denver, but we looked at cities up and down the Front Range, and, and saw there really weren't food halls in the same model as as ours. And we can get more uh, into what our model is in, in a little bit, but we didn't see a, a food hall like what we wanted to build anywhere outside of, of Denver. So you know we considered suburbs of, of Denver, other places in the metro area. And then we looked outside of Denver at cities up and down the front range. So Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, Pueblo. And ultimately, you know, Pueblo is a city that I've loved for a long time. And we just found a great building there. And, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what that is, but um or or where the, the location is. But you know, we we just found what we think is is an ideal site, found in Pueblo, and uh decided to to launch our concept there. So the concept is called fuel and iron, and, and we do still consider it a pretty traditional food hall um, on the ground floor. What we didn't bargain for uh, going into the project is that the, the building that we purchased has three stories. And so you know we, we were trying to figure out, all right, well, what do we do with the upper two levels? And, and we settled on workforce housing on the upper two floors of the building. It's called the Holmes Hardware Block um, that we can prioritize the employees in the food hall for housing on the upper floors to really create true workforce housing for food hall employees and other employees in downtown Pueblo. And then the other thing we didn't bargain for is that the the building sits on a two and a half acre site. And so the first phase of of our project is just renovating the historic building, but we do have a master plan for the site as a whole. And in subsequent phases, we wanna build some additional housing, a childcare center, an urban farm, an event space, and a performing arts space. So, really, uses that that we think are very symbiotic with one another that will really enrich the site as a whole and, and really complement what what's going on in the historic building.
0: Nice. So, so obviously, there's a lot of things coming together there in community development. Um, why don't you share a little bit about why community development became so important for you, or how maybe? Than
2: so, one. I, so I think uh, Nathan and I both started as a generalist in brokerage. We were doing office, industrial, retail, kind of whatever work came our way. And we wanted to have, you know, a, a specialty where we can get really good at one thing. And our favorite assignments were always the, the restaurant assignments. We, we felt that, you know, restaurants, coffee shops, breweries, bars, other gathering places of a city and really what gives a city character. And, you know, if we could help build um, the state we love, Colorado, with places that we love to go to, and and other people would love to go to, we thought that would be a really cool opportunity. So that's kind of how um, we started working out with and focusing working with, with restaurant brands. And, you know, we're not working with Chipotle's of the world, we're really working with Local chefs who, um, you know, want want to start something special and and give back to the community, and the food hall is a great way to do it because it creates an incubator model where, you know, in a town like Pueblo, where I think there's some some room for the the food and beverage scene to grow, instead of just doing one or two deals, we're creating um, an incubator where as soon as a restaurant graduates the food hall, they're going to open up a spot in town and it's going to, um, you know, it's going to keep on going. And, and we really think it's going to be a great way to, um, you know, bring people down to Pueblo and it's just such an amazing place. And we can't wait to, to do this project there and, and really show people all the awesome things that Pueblo has to offer.
0: Do so you mentioned, um, specialized. So, so basically you were able to narrow down to, to a niche. How, how important was that to your business growing?
1: So for us, it was tremendously important. We started our So, you know, we both worked as, as brokers before we started developing projects of our own and, and we still have a brokerage practice, um, that that's as strong as it's ever been. And we both started as generalists. So you know mainly doing retail work, but also you know some office, some industrial, and just really got burnt out at being a jack of all trades and a master of none. You know we'd, we'd work for one client on their assignment and and no matter how well it went, we didn't really have anything to do with that knowledge because the next client would have a totally different requirement. And it just felt really hard for us to differentiate ourselves because you know we didn't have more focus or, or ability in a certain area than, than other brokers in the field. And so Zach and I started working together about four years ago, and we decided pretty soon thereafter that if we had a focus, if we had a specialty, we could do that one thing better than anybody else. And if, if we had all clients in the same industry, then it would make it a lot easier for us because if, if we found a great restaurant space and, and the first client is the wrong part of town or the wrong size, or it just didn't work for some reason, you know, we'd have another client coming in the wings that it might be a perfect fit for. So we could really use that that knowledge of, of both what the client wanted and available properties around town just to provide much better service. And so we, we thought about what type of practice we wanted to build. And, and for both Zach and I, the food and beverage assignments, you know, th- those are always our favorite. The things we've always loved best about the neighborhoods we've lived in, the you know, bars, breweries, restaurants that were there, you know, the, the clients that we had, in the industry, you know, we just love the people kind of, there was so much about it that, that it was when we started thinking about the focus, we, we both came to the conclusion that food and beverage was, was the world that we wanted to be in. And so the way I think that that translates to the development side of things is, you know, what we do all day is we evaluate spaces to whether, you know, to, to see if they would be good restaurant locations to our clients. And so it's not, as big of a leap to put the glasses on our own eyes rather than you know our clients looking at it through through their eyes or looking at it for someone else to think okay what what would make a really good food hall location and so you know we we knew that you know as far as development goes certainly not the best capitalized developers not the most experienced you know probably not the smartest developers out there but we knew this one industry really well and so we we believed and still believe that we could spot uh, locations for for food halls or other food and beverage uses where other people might not see it right away just because that's that's the world that we're in and think that 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 paid some dividends you know definitely has paid dividends for our brokerage practice we've been able to grow it and and you know probably our biggest referral source now is from other brokers who work in another practice area and just know that we're the food and beverage guys so when they get a a restaurant coming in, you know, if it's not their specialty, they'll say, you know, I'll, I'll refer it to Zach and Nathan, and and that's a really, you know, I think a good good testament to what we're building, you know, in addition to referrals from other clients or you know people in other practice areas, because you know when they think restaurant, we're the first people that that come to mind. So I think it's been a great move for our brokerage practice, and then it's it's allowed us to transition into development. I think a lot easier than if we were trying to gain that subject matter expertise. In addition to trying to learn development, because that's a you know very steep learning curve in and of itself.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about brand and, and the brand you've chosen in Pueblo. Do you want, can you share a little bit more about that brand? But then about the value of a, of a brand and and how important you know developing a brand for a restaurant for for a food hall you know for a concept is.
2: Sure, you want to talk about fuel and iron, Nathan.
0: Uh, sure. Yeah. So,
1: so the the brand we've chosen for the food hall is the Fuel and Iron Food Hall, and the Greater Project is is the Fuel and Iron Project, and that name comes from Colorado Fuel and Iron, which was a vertic- a vertically integrated company that began, their predecessor began in the 1880s and uh, went until the the 1980s, and among uh, other industries, it ran the steel mill in Pueblo, and and the steel mill was really Colorado's first super employer. At 1.10% of the entire workforce in Colorado was employed at the mill. And it really made Pueblo what it is today by attracting a very diverse group of immigrants from around the world who came to work at the mill. And the, the Colorado fuel and iron name, uh the, the steel industry crashed in, in the 80s. And and Robert, as as you were sharing, you have some particular insight into that, which which is super cool. But when that happened, the mill has been sold a few times and now it's it's owned by a Russian company called Evroz. And so the, the Colorado fuel and iron name isn't really in existence currently, but it has a, a you know huge valence for the the people in Pueblo just, just because of the history. So, you know, our goal for the food hall was to really capture and honor the history of Pueblo while we we're also trying to build a bridge from you know a single industry kind of monolithic town that really depended on the steel mill to now a, a much more diversified economy that that's growing in a lot of really cool and interesting ways. And so we love that that fuel and iron, in addition to the historical significance, you know, the, those two words can also be applied to food. And so, you know, we're honoring the industrial, but also promoting the agricultural, and we really thought the, the fuel and iron brand sits right uh, there in, in the middle of, of those two poles and, and really fits nicely. And so if you look at our logo, um, you know, as as part of the brand, you know, you'll see the, the text with industrial on top and, and agricultural on the bottom. And Pueblo is is very fortunate that to the east of town, there's very fertile farmland. Yes, as part of the legacy of the steel mill, Pueblo has a lot of water rights. And so that the agricultural sector, you know, is, is very strong down in Pueblo and, and the chili pepper, the Pueblo chili pepper has really emerged as an iconic product in Pueblo. So, you know the the concept and and the idea of farm to table. Even though the the economy hasn't developed as much for farm to table as it it has in other places, the the geographic proximity just just makes it kind of an undeniable connection. And so we're really working to to you know com- combine those two elements within the brand.
0: Nice. It's pretty cool when you're you're you can identify with history and you can. Tie all of all of those things together in a simple way, right? Because it, the brand can't be so convoluted and complicated that nobody understands it, right? It needs to be something that people just identify with, whether they identify with the history or they identify with its with its current offerings. So, we'll, yeah, we
1: we think you know in Pueblo, you know, anyone who's who's visiting the the food hall in Pueblo, I think will immediately connect and understand. The name and one thing that we want to do within the food hall we have an area that um, we've designated as a historical you know display almost like a mini museum within the food hall where we want to share a lot of the history of pueblo of colorado fuel and iron you know of of the building of of the company of you know of, of a number of different areas so that if you come into the food hall and have no idea what fuel and iron means or the history of pueblo at all hopefully you know you spend a little bit of time reading and, and learning about the significance of the brand. And then by the time you leave, you connect with it
2: on a deeper level as well. Nice. We also want to, um, recognize, uh, Karen savory another, another one of your previous interviews and clients for making us an, an awesome logo to fit with our fuel and iron brand.
0: Nice. So <laughs> Karen, uh, I, I definitely, she, she understands brand and, and, and certainly understands, uh, food and beverage. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. You guys, you mentioned, um, the value of relationship and, and connection. Um, what is relationship and connection done for this opportunity for you guys?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, relationships are the most important thing for us. So for our brokerage business, you know, when, when we meet with a potential client, we tell them that, you know, we're trying to do what we're doing now. In Colorado for the next thirty years, so you know I, I think there's some brokers that that don't give our profession the best name, and they're a little short-sighted, and you know do whatever it takes to get the deal done and and make a commission. Where for us, that's definitely not the most important piece. It's um, creating those relationships that you know we we really want to help our clients and steer that steer them in the right direction and you know, out of probably about a a hundred, um, clients in the, in the food and beverage world, we've only had, um, a handful that, that closed their doors. And I think that's a, a testament to Nathan and I, um, not wanting to push a space on anybody and really trying to figure out what, what's best for them and, and what they're looking for. And then, and then doing every everything in our power to, to go find it. And, um, moving into this next chapter, of our first development deal, we really wanted to bring that same mindset that it's all about the relationships and, you know, the food hall isn't even built. And, and Nathan has done an extremely um, remarkable job making sure everyone in Pueblo is aware of the opportunity. And, and um, we're even doing a WeFunder. So if you live in Pueblo and you want to get behind our project, you can be an investor, um, as little as a hundred dollars and feel kind of part, part of our project. And, and, um, you know, it's really for the people who, who live there and we, we want to hear what they're looking for and, and, um, you know, really create something that's going to be approachable and, and, um, special and, and really, uh, something that, that people in Pueblo can be proud
0: of. Nice. So I don't want to make it the assumption that all of my listeners know what a food hall is. Can you tell us about the concept of a food hall and yeah, and, and how does it work?
2: No, it's, it's, it's a good comment. Cause we we've even been down in Pueblo talking to locals and set and asking the public, are you excited about a food hall? And most of them have no idea what a food hall is. And, and, and they're like, like a food court. And it is like a, like a mall food court except instead of national brands it's local restaurateurs um and it's centered around a bar so it's uh our, ours is going to be um six different restaurants five, five restaurants and uh um a coffee and ice cream um, tenant which is going to be solar roast down there and um you know i, I re- we really believe that food halls are not a fad or phase, we, we think they're the way of the future, uh, it just makes so much sense as everyone's um, preferences keep on getting pickier, and everyone has different dietary restrictions, and you're trying to go out with five friends to get something to eat, you know, you can go to the food hall, everyone can get whatever, um, whatever restaurant they choose, you can sit at the same table, or sit at the bar, and, and you know, be together, and, and you just have so many options and, and we're going to have a really cool outdoor space as well. And, and um, you know, we, we just really think that food halls are here to stay.
1: And, and what I would also add to that is for, for the restaurant tour, if you've never owned a restaurant before and you want to open your first restaurant business and, and you go and you lease a space and you know, it's a you know, standalone location, you know, first of all, the cost to build out a restaurant is generally immense and we've seen it numerous times with our clients generally it's multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars to build out a restaurant so you know number one that's just out of reach for a lot of chefs who you know may not have, have saved enough money and may not have the friends and family connections to even get their own restaurant off the ground but even for the chefs that are open that are able to open their doors on their first restaurant you know a lot of times they've put everything they have into getting the doors open, and so they're short on working capital, and so anything you know that's kind of unexpected that could happen has a risk of potentially putting them out of business. You know that their general manager quits, their HVAC unit on the roof breaks, and you know it's a fifteen thousand dollar unexpected repair. You know somebody drives a car through the the glass. I mean, you know any there are so many different things that can happen that are totally out of the restaurateur's control that if they're undercapitalized, you know, even if they have an amazing concept and given time they would have been wildly successful, they may never get the chance just because, you know, they're they're never able to to even get going or you know something happens and puts them out of business before they can really hit their groove. And so, you know, that what we're doing in the food hall is we're building out all of the kitchens and we're also providing the equipment. So, Rather than multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars for a restaurant tour to open their first location, you know it's it's twenty thousand dollars tops, and that's you know signage, inventory, staff training, you know that that's about it, and so it just allows the restaurant tour to have a bigger buffer right out of the gate um, to to be able to you know iterate on their concept if they don't get it right right away, you know they they have the opportunity to. Get customer feedback, kind of retool the concept and, and relaunch it. And, and just as a you know an example of that, we had a client or have a client who's in Avanti that when they they launched, they you know they didn't get it exactly right. I mean, their food was incredible, but it didn't resonate with the customer right away. And so they were the worst performing restaurant in Avanti, and they were able to retool their menu and make it a little more approachable and a little more visual. And they went from being the worst performing restaurant to the second best performing restaurant. In Avanti as a result. And, and that, you know, if, if they had that similar experience just in a standalone restaurant, maybe they wouldn't have even gotten that opportunity because, you know, they, they may have gone under right at the beginning. So, you know, just having a, a food hall just provides chefs with greater opportunity to launch their concept. And then, you know, the, the other thing is once they've launched also, not only, you know, do they have a little more breathing room, to hear customer feedback, but, you know, we handle a lot of things at the food hall that restaurant would have to take on themselves in a standalone spot. So, you know, in, in the example of the HVAC unit breaks, well, we would fix that. You know, if the Wi-Fi goes down, we would fix that. You know, we, we do marketing, we do the, the busing and, and the dishwashing and the security for the food hall. And, and you look at our LOI um, that we provide to restaurant There are about 20 items, on there that we provide that a restaurant tour and a standalone location would have to do themselves. So they can focus on, you know, their product and their customer experience. And also as as Zach said, because there are so many options that carry the weight or distribute the weight of having a a diverse menu, each restaurant, you know, can can focus on four to six dishes on their menu so they can put, you know, their best heavy hitters on their menu. So there are better sales per dish. There's less food waste because the menu is more, streamlined. And so there, there are just a lot of areas where, you know, it, it's, it's this weird dichotomy where food hall tenants generally pay a much higher percentage of their rent, a much higher percentage of their sales as rent, as do, you know, standalone restaurant on the same, at the same time, their margins are, are way better. And they're able to put a lot more money in the bank with more breathing room and, and a little bit less risk. And so we, we're just, you know, firm believers in the model. And you know, just the, without, we just really feel like it's a foundational piece for any city to have a thriving food ecosystem to let those next generation of chefs, you know, develop and, and grow the restaurant scene in, in their city. And without having one, you know, Puebla already has an amazing food culture, but the lack of a food hall I think is really holding the next generation back from being able to to start up and grow. And we hope it'll be really catalytic for the food scene in Pueblo, having that kind of that, that linchpin to really let new chefs open and thrive.
2: And and just to add to that for a second, Nathan was saying how expensive it was to build out a restaurant, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Once um, the restaurateur gets a chance to, you know, get into the food hall for relatively cheap, prove a concept and have some operational history. It's way more likely that a lender would then give them a loan to you know build out the their first brick and mortar. So it's it's just such a great way to start. And then you know once they have that experience and they have a um, a customer base, a proven concept, they can move on to uh, their dream of opening their own restaurant.
0: Well, I, I you guys have used the word incubator a few times, and that that idea that that concept of a chef being able to develop his menu and her menu and, and being able to, to find out if clients like it. I know that chefs are, are kind of like artists, right? They feel like this is the best food in the world. My friends and family all love it when I cook. And, and then of course, you find out that, you know, the public doesn't necessarily agree with mom and dad and, and, and and that can be a pretty expensive lesson. Uh, It's interesting. The idea of, of, Helping them develop their their brand and develop their menu and develop, you know, and then test it in a in a fairly safe environment.
1: Um, Yeah, you know, or in in another circumstance, you know, the public does love their food, but they put so many ingredients in the dish that their you know their cost of goods is sixty percent of sales, and it's just not sustainable. No matter how amazing that dish is, and and they kind of learn that by you know checking their PL at the end of the month and realizing they didn't make any money and then you know we we also provide some business support and so you know they, they can come to us and and we're, we're working with a company called evg hospitality to be our operator and and their principals have you know combined 40 years of, of operations experience in the food and beverage industry so you know they can say well, well why am i not making any money you know everyone loves my food and then they you know you can look at the the PL and say, well, you know, your your cost of goods is 60%. You know, you've got to streamline that dish and and get your cost down. And, you know, so there, there are just a lot of a lot of things that, you know, may translate really well if you're preparing food for friends and family, but you know, might not translate in a commercial or restaurant setting. And, you know, just having that buffer to to figure it out is just, you know, hugely valuable.
0: Absolutely. Well and and I think you guys mentioned that you know they can go off and start standalone restaurant and they've got a proven history and, and proven sales. But I think by that point, you guys are going to have relationships with investors that that it's going to be a natural fit to say, Hey, this, this chef is ready. This restaurant is ready to open standalone. And, and you'll be able to offer a, a, a package that just says, Hey, let's, we're going to do this with you. And yeah, and it, Continues to the next stage. Um, it sounds to me like a pretty natural progression uh, for the project that, that you guys have, like the project concept that you have. So Yeah,
2: it's going to feed right into our brokerage business. And, and yeah, like you said, we'll know when a chef is kind of ready for that next jump. And in uh, some situations, we would love to be part of the team um, behind the, the chef as well and, and um, you know, do do a project with them and, and you know, be... Be the investors and and be that launching pin is really what we want to do.
0: Sounds fantastic, and the influence that you can have on, on the community, right? If 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 you you build out, obviously, you know, building out fuel and iron as the concept you you mentioned, and the ways it could touch the community, but then expanding that beyond to restaurants that are employing even more people and and serving the community in bigger, larger ways is is in my mind one of the best ways to to have a positive influence and impact on on the community and then all the ways that that you can give back um and i think how how important has contribution or or giving to the community been for for your progress and and your plans
1: i mean for us it's really everything you know food food halls are community amenities and you know we we both love pueblo immensely and so you know, we, we want this to be a home run for the community. And if, if we make a lot of money and it's not a home run for the community, it, for us, it'll be a failure. And so, you know, we're we're really even taking a step back and thinking about food systems within Pueblo a little bit more broadly, because the nice thing about a community the size of, of Pueblo with, you know, 170,000 in the county versus, you know, the Denver metro area at, you know, 3 million people is that, you know, it's, it's a little bit, easier to kind of work cohesively for the whole community. So for, for instance, we're, we're working with uh, Pueblo Community College and CSU Pueblo to try to develop a food systems curriculum where we could be the employing partner and the, the curriculum would be heavily based on apprenticeships so that students could be working and not hopefully taking on a lot of debt and getting valuable you know, work experience while they're getting the theoretical knowledge from school. And so, you know, we are hoping, and, and we have a, a grant application in to be the apprenticeship designation or destination for all first-year students in the, the this program. So, you know, we would have two cohorts of fifteen apprentices at a time within the food hall, split up among us and and the six uh, restaurateurs within the food hall. And so, we can we can really step in to be the employment partner to complement the great educational institutions and and build these you know really um cohesive pieces that you know can can take a high school kid in pueblo and give them the confidence that you know they they can go to school they can get their associates get their bachelors get their work experience graduate the program with a you know the the uh we hope the capstone of the program Will be what, what they're calling startup semester where you know if you you work to build the business plan for your food business to where it's ready to launch right when you graduate from school then you can get a job you know you can either launch your business right away or you can get a management job you know within a restaurant in pueblo and again have the confidence that when you're ready there will be a slot within the food hall to launch your own business and then you can see other successful examples of restaurants who have gone on from the food hall to launch successful food businesses within Pueblo. And so you just have the confidence as you're growing up in the community that I can have a really fulfilling, you know, really lucrative, really successful food and beverage career and not need to leave Pueblo. And and ultimately that that's really the the dream is that anybody who wants to stay in Pueblo and build a career within Pueblo, you know, in, in the the fields that we're working on, you know, food and beverage, hospitality, agriculture, that they're, they're able to, to do that and have the confidence to do that um, in, and, and not have to choose between, you know, staying in town and, and having a successful career.
2: Yeah. And, and to add a couple more ways we're uh, giving back to the community as well, we're doing, um, as Nathan mentioned, we're doing an urban farm as part of our master development. So we're going to be um, doing food baskets for the insecure and delivering that um, uh, to the food insecure in town. And then um, one other thing we're doing is one of the major um, reasons we we figured out why local restaurateurs weren't having, you know, local Colorado produce on their menus was it it was too time consuming or too expensive to have um, drivers go to the farms and pick it up. So we're going to be offering them a delivery service as well um, as part of what we're doing.
0: We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com. A-D-D value Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. You mentioned apprenticeships what, has what the value of mentors been for you? And then obviously through apprenticeships, you guys have opportunities to mentor down, but what, what, what are your feelings on mentorship? So, and-
1: you know, I, I think mentors, having mentors is hugely valuable and, and really has been, you know, for, for both for my career. And, you know, I think for, for our partnership, working together, and, and just to give one example of that, you know, the, the reason why we really got on this course of specializing in food and beverage was a conversation we had with our CEO at Broad Street, who sat down with us and said, you know, there's so much opportunity out there, but what can you be the best in the world at? He said, you know, can you be the best in the world at working with restaurants in, in Colorado? And that really motivated us to say, you know, yeah, that would be pretty cool, and that's something we could really work towards. And if he hadn't, you know, he our company's based in in Bethesda, Maryland. I mean, if he if he didn't take the interest of coming to to Colorado to visit with the the Colorado office, first of all, you know, sitting down with with everyone individually and, and having a conversation and giving us that advice, you know, we, we you know may never have decided to, to specialize. And you know, it's easy to to connect the dots and think, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we, we'd we be very, a lot more frustrated and a lot, you know, less successful in the brokerage world, let alone being able to, to move on to also doing a project of our own. So, you know, and, and that's one of, you know, many, many interactions, you know, with people throughout my career that have, have really shaped it, its trajectory and, you know, just, yeah, no idea where, where we would be without it, but just been, been very fortunate to, you know, have, you know, supervisors, you know, throughout my professional career that have taken an interest in, in me and just provided some really valuable advice has helped me immensely.
0: Nice. So you also mentioned the dream. How, how important is the dream?
1: So, you know, I, I think the, the, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, Pueblo and how welcoming and supportive the, the community has been just to really give us the confidence to, to think bigger. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it is really important and motivating to have a bigger picture goal because, you know, if, if the goal is just making money and there's no passion behind it, it you know is a lot harder to to you know want to work towards it and you know ends up kind of undercutting the the ultimate goal of of making money if you're not passionate at something it's a lot harder to be successful at it so you know being able to to think big picture you know with, with the food hall but also even you know beyond the food hall in you know the the greater vision of you know building these infrastructure pieces for you know, the, the food and beverage community in Pueblo in, in general and and you know helping Pueblo become a world class food and beverage city. You know, just just having that that confidence to to dream big, you know, that that's really all based on the community being supportive of you know our initial plan. And you know, just because you know to to a lot of our earlier conversation, you know, we we could not have done this alone, literally hundreds of people, you know, in the community have helped us get to the point where we're at. And we haven't even started construction yet. And, and so, you know, and and you know, food halls being a, a mass market business, you know, you you need a significant customer base to be able to be successful. And, and so, you know, just just seeing that initial support has, I think, given us the confidence to dream big. And then, you know, that having that dream is just incredibly motivating. To you know, work hard, and and you just really feel like we're building towards something significant. And so, yeah, I think it's it's critical to to really push you and motivate you that that you have something you're working towards.
0: Nice. So you mentioned motivation. What 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 is your driving force? What is your purpose or or, or motivation as a whole? Not necessarily just for that for this project.
2: Uh, for for me, it's creating these opportunities where, you know, going out to a restaurant is something so simple, but it could be so amazing. You know, some of the best memories I have are with friends and families at my favorite restaurants, bars, breweries, coffee shops. And we want to we want to create more of those amazing places in um, in towns that really kind of need it. So I, I really think that's kind of my driving force is to, um, you know, work with, you know, really talented chefs, but also really good people and, and help them fulfill their dreams, you know, kind of similar to, to yourself being a business coach and probably getting joy from helping others uh, reach their dream. You know, I think there's a lot of that in what Nathan and I do and, you know, working with necessarily very sophisticated um you know businessmen who would succeed with or without our help a lot of times it's someone with a dream and and you know they 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 make really good food and and that's all they have and, and you know it's really rewarding taking them from you know making amazing food for their family it's uh you know, opening up a spot in town where everyone can can share what what they're creating, and and um, uh, that it just that's kind of what what drives me personally.
0: What has been the what's a big thing for you guys, either one of you, in having the confidence to pursue this big dream? I know you mentioned community, and I recognize how valuable the community is, but before you even went to talk to the community, you had to have this big dream and this big idea. And, you know, the little voice in your head says, oh no, you can't do that. Oh no, why, why would you try something that crazy? You've never done that before. So what is it that helps you push that voice away? <laughs> Get up and, and go against it. Yeah,
1: well, you know, honestly, one one thing you know, that I would just say is, you know, it's, uh, you know, at this point, a good portion of it is just honestly necessity, you know, that, that we're at, at this point, you know, we're into this project, you know, and, and there's no turning back, you know, we, we've taken investment from friends and family, you know, we, we've come up with plans, you know, we've gotten community buy-in and there's just, you know, there, there's no alternative, you know, I think in, in our mind at this point than to keep pushing forward, no matter what, because, you know, to turn back or to, to abandon the project would, would just be catastrophic on so many levels. So, you know, I think it's, it, there are very frequent moments where we just kind of want to give up and and quit. I'm just speaking personally, you know, when, when an obstacle comes, you know, think, Oh my, my goodness, you know, how are we going to get over this, this hurdle or, you know, the, just, you know, an unexpected piece of, of bad news is just kind of a gut punch and, you know, but and then just look at it and say, you know, we we can't possibly quit, you know. We're we're in it so deep. We, we just have to keep pushing forward. So you know, I think I think you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I think that's the the phrase. And 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 really, I mean it. You know, it, it, it that's very true in a lot of situations because you know we just have no alternative than to try to find a solution and and figure out a path forward. So you know, I I think that was was motivating. But you know, also I think you know we what what really motivated us in the beginning um, was, was just as, as, um, you know, we had talked about brokerage being, you know, is, is wonderful working with clients at the same time, you know, it, it is very transactional where, you know, we help a client sign a lease, we receive our commission, but we don't have anything, you know, to, to show for it in terms of, of residual equity. And so, you know, we, we see brokerage and development as very complementary to where we have brokerage, as a, you know, tool to, to generate income while we're working on this development project. And, you know, we we aren't independently wealthy. And so, you know, we we need some sort of, of revenue to, to pay our bills, you know, while we're pursuing this development project. So without the, the brokerage side, you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. By the same token, you know, we we see development as a way to, to build something long term that, you know, we'll eventually, you know, produce some some passive income as, as we're looking, you know, to to you know, 30 years down the road when we're ready to, to retire, you know, it's comforting to to think that we'll have something of our own that's you know that that's generating returns that we've we've put the work in earlier that that pays dividends down the road. So you know I think we're we're also motivated by you know just wanting to to build something, you know, both that's great for the, the community as we talked about, but I think that the better we do for Pueblo, you know, the more people want to come out and, and support the food hall, you know, the better it will do in revenue and, and, you know, the, the more impactful that'll be on our personal life, you know, and, and kind of building our nest egg to, you know, someday be able to to retire and, you know, have, have kind of something tangible to show for it.
0: Nice. What uh, we're going to, I'm going to throw you a curveball now. So, um, What's your what's your favorite dessert?
2: That's a tough one. Um, I would probably say peach pie with some oh. vanilla ice cream on top and maybe a little bit of honey. That's Zach Citron's favorite dessert.
0: All right,
1: and and, uh, and and I'm going donuts all the way.
0: <laughs> Donut for dessert, I like it.
1: <laughs> breakfast lunch dinner dessert you know I don't discriminate.
0: <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> no donut discrimination happening here um that's good. What about What's your
2: favorite dessert?
0: Uh, I'm a vanilla ice cream guy with marshmallow cream. So there you go yeah what uh, let's talk a little bit about character obviously in in, in real estate in development. Um, and of course, I think in any business, character is pretty foundational. You mentioned um, the investment of your family and friends that leaves you no choice but to get up in the morning and, and go get this done. Um, and I think that's a character statement, right? That That you're not going to take their money and run because you've given them your word that you're going to do this project. And so share a little bit about the value of character for each of you, maybe.
2: Sure. So, so for me, um, you know, I think there's a a big sentiment to just overcome what, whatever obstacle comes your way and and be resilient. Um, as Nathan hinted at, life of developers as we're learning isn't always easy, and it's uh, certainly scary. Signing on um, the amount of debt that we're, we're signing on, and you know, if if things don't go as planned, uh, the consequences could be pretty bad um but you know i think every hurdle that comes our way and it seems like there's one every week we we just kind of dig down and and say how do we get around this one put one step in front of the other and um and and make it happen i mean it's it's remarkable nathan especially has been so creative and resourceful throughout this process and it's not a conventional deal um we have more lenders than I can count on one hand, and it's it's been um, you know a great learning experience, and and yeah, I think just, just this attitude that failure is not an option, we're we're gonna do what it takes to to make it happen, can be translated to a lot of areas of life outside of development. You know, growing up, I played sports, and I was never the fastest kid, I was never the the strongest kid, but. I like to think I was uh, one of the more resilient kids and, and worked harder and, and, you know, just, just found a way. And, you know, I think in, in life, if, if you set your mind to something and, and whatever it takes, you kind of find a way to get there. Um, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be successful. And, um, I think that's what Nathan and I are trying to do on this project.
0: Nice.
1: And, and for me, you know, you uh, can maybe hear my my eight month old in, in the background here. So, you know, uh, that, that's probably a great, great place to start. You know, it, it really does all start with family. And, and, you know, I mean, just wanting to set a good example and, and walk the walk for kids because I've got three of them. And it's it's amazing what they pick up on. My oldest is five. So I mean, you know, still very young in the world, but she picks up on everything. So I know if I'm, you know, saying one thing and, and doing another, it's not gonna be lost on her. And, you know, she's gonna call me out on it and and then I'm not setting the example I want for them. So, you know, I think that that's kind of the the first and, and maybe most significant thing in my life that that pushes me to to set a good example and live with integrity. And then, you know, just kind of the concentric circles of, you know, of communities. You know, I think in our professional life, you know, in in especially working in a smaller market like Pueblo, you know, where word travels fast and reputation travels fast. And, you know, if if you come off as, you know, especially for us being being from out of town, you know, if if we were arrogant and, oh, you know, we know everything and, you know, you don't know anything in the in the community and, you know just not, you know, not coming from a place of, of love and humility and, and a desire to to learn and, and work with the community, then yeah, I think it it would not take long for, you know, the the project rather than, than being embraced to be rejected. And, you know, as as I said earlier, you know, without without community support, you know, we could never do what we're doing. So, you know, having the, the so so building, you know, relationships within in the community is is paramount you know in that respect and then you know also even though denver is is bigger the restaurant community in denver is also a really small world so you know if if we you know were dismissive of of clients didn't give them good service didn't return phone calls you know didn't didn't work hard for them you know that that reputation would spread and you know even within the brokerage community you know i think can can count you know the the number of of brokers within denver that that focus on food and beverage you know maybe a couple dozen, and so we're frequently working with the same brokers you know in in different transactions and so you know similarly you know if we had uh you know a bad relationship if you know if we were jerks to them, then you know not only would you know it it's spread but you know we'd never get referrals from from other brokers. And, and, you know, as I, would mentioned before that, you know, now is, is one of our best, if not our, our best referral sources is, is referrals from people who theoretically, you know, are competitors, but, you know, we found a way to, to effectively work together. And so, you know, they're, they're just all of these communities from, you know, the family of five to a city of 170,000 and everywhere in between that, you know, it, it's not hard to, you know, burn bridges or, and also, you know, on the, the flip side of it, it's, you know, not hard to, to make meaningful connections. If, you know, you kind of are are honest with, with people and open with them. And, and that's, that's what we try to be. And, and, you know, think it, it, you know, in, in both our, our personal and, and professional lives, you know, the, those relationships are key and you can't, you can't build them. If, if your character, you know, isn't, isn't there and, and people, yeah, you know, feel heard and
2: support supported.
0: Nice. So, where where do you see yourself in three years?
2: Probably, if everything goes pie. right. Um, if everything goes right, you know, I I see us. So, so this is our first development deal, and we we don't want it to be the last. So, you know, it's been. Uh, a huge process um, to get to the point we are. And, and hopefully next year in April or May, it's going to open up the, the way we want it to. And, and when it does, I really think we want to kind of recreate the model and having done this, you know, once successfully we, we want to, um, you know, use the, the skills we've learned and, um, and do future projects both in Pueblo and, and across the country. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to stop doing brokerage. I, I really love that that piece of my business, and I, I want to continue to grow that and, and, you know, continue to work towards the goal, which is to be, you know, the best restaurant broker in, in Colorado. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we, we, Nathan and I both know that there, there's... You know you, you know what you know and you don't and you know what you don't know and there's a lot we don't know and uh, we've been lucky to lucky enough to surround ourselves with a really good team in place that that can help us get to where we want to get to and yeah I think we're we're on the right track um, every year uh, so Nathan and I've been working together four years with uh, with the goal of being the the best restaurant brokers in, in Colorado and every year I think we've um, we've got to a point where we were closer to that goal than we were the previous year. So I think if we just continue, continue on our path and continue to work hard, we can get there.
1: And, and uh, just to, you know, cause I, I think that's spot on and, and to talk also a little bit more specifically about the the timeline of the fuel and iron project um, we're expecting to close on our uh, construction financing at the, the end of this month. And uh, we've got about a nine month build. So expecting to complete construction in April or May, and then to open the food hall in the summer. And we have, a, as we mentioned earlier, we have a couple of other project phases. So uh, one, uh, and it's, it's hard to, to visualize this without seeing the site, but there are, are two additional parcels of land that uh, we have to develop. One, we're planning to build 32 additional units of affordable housing with the care center hoping that will will deliver in twenty twenty three. And then also looking to build uh the the other parcel looking to do the the urban farm and event space and performing arts space and and, and those should both deliver in, in twenty twenty three, whether we're doing those all ourselves or we're working with partners to build those, thinking that'll be be in, in two years from now or so that we'll have fully built out the site. And then, you know, I think in with within the next three years, it would be great to have the opportunity to do another food hall in a a similar market. You know, we really think those secondary or tertiary markets, whether it's smaller cities or, you know, smaller areas within the Denver metro area, you know, maybe suburbs that don't have a food hall is, is where we can bring the most expertise, you know, doing what we are with, with fuel and iron. So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful in in the next three years, we could have another food hall open somewhere. And then, you know, one, one other thing that I just want to mention that we really, see as a, a key infrastructure piece down in Pueblo is doing a small format grocery store and an incubator commissary kitchen so that entrepreneurs who wanna make packaged products have a place to make the, the products, to sell the products and to receive wraparound services like you know, design help from Karen or you know we're, we're hopefully working as a, as a partner with a woman who does um, CPG consulting. So you know, uh, how to, to successfully launch products so, you know, we we view the, you know, the food and beverage industry as as having a lot of different channels that you can be successful and and we are intentionally focusing on restaurants within the food hall because we don't want to, you know, get too distracted and we really want to do do that one thing very well and be a great launch pad for restaurants, but we also want to help be a good industry partner for entrepreneurs who want to create, you know, packaged products or you know, with, with the farm in our second phase, you know, who want to launch agricultural businesses, we want to help create, you know, the, the places where, where they could gain that, that experience and, and launch, you know, regardless of their goals within the food and beverage industry. So I'm optimistic, um, you know, by 2024 that we can hopefully be able to, to build that out the, the small format grocery store and, and incubator commissary kitchen. And then the, the last kind of pipe dream that I'll throw out there is we'd really love to do a fuel and iron bar, in Denver to promote the the food hall down in Pueblo and just to to be a convener for you know people from Pueblo or who went to school down in Pueblo who live in the Denver area or people visiting Denver from from Pueblo and so you know I'm 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 hopeful if you know and this is you know if absolutely everything goes right I'm hopeful that you know we'd be able to to launch that by 2024 as well
2: and and just to piggyback off the uh, the future potential food halls. Uh, Nathan was talking about. You know, I mentioned we don't think this is a phase. We think food halls are the way of the future. Uh, We also think that every community could support at least one food hall. So it was a pretty strategic decision to, you know, be the first food hall in Pueblo instead of the 11th in Denver. So, you know, if this one is successful, we want to recreate the model and we want to find other similar um, places across the country. So if you're listening to this and, and live in a place without a food hall and you're curious about food halls, we would love for you to reach out. We'd love to just hear your story. So feel, feel free. Uh, we'll we'll give uh, our contact info at the end of this show.
0: Yeah. The links will be down below if you're, if you're watching the videos or, you know, jump on the on our website and we'll make sure we get you connected. Cause that's, that's pretty important. Um, so let's, uh, just uh, as we we draw to a close, what uh, what inspires you?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of for me it's similar to, um, to your question before. What what uh, what gets me out of bed in the morning, and and you know why am I doing this? And it it's really inspiring to help restaurateurs find locations and and um, be that kind of sounding board and and resource for them to uh, make their dreams come true you know we we, nathan and i meet all kinds of people and all kinds of stories and it's really really fun um and inspiring to you know talk to someone with a dream who who just you know makes let's say dumplings and, and just moved here from china and and you know wants to open up their their first spot and and doesn't know anything about the real estate market, and you know slowly but surely, um, asking them the right questions and um, helping them helping them achieve their dreams. That's what that's what that's what inspires me and gets me up in the morning.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna yeah just just agree with that one wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head.
0: Fair enough. All right, do either one of you guys have a a morning routine that sets you up for your day that you'd want to share?
1: Uh my my morning routine involves getting woken up by one of my children screaming at, at five in the morning. So you know, definitely, definitely sets me up for something. I'm not I'm not positive it's for for success, but yeah, you know, sleeping in is definitely not an option in my world. So I have to kind of be, be up and at it whether I want to or not.
0: Nice. <laughs>
2: So Nathan's usually up a good uh, four hours before me. So, um, you know, he, he usually carries the weight in the morning and then um, I don't have kids yet. So I'm I'm more flexible to to be the one going to networking events or, or different things in the, the evening and, the, and nighttime. So between the two of us, you have the whole day covered.
0: Nice. That's a good that's a good plan. So. Just what's the, what's the value of gratitude done for you?
1: You know, I, I love this this quote um, that I'll, I'll probably butcher. It's, it's an Einstein quote. And he said, you know, there, there are two, world, two ways to look at the world. The first is as if nothing is a miracle. And the, the second is as if everything is a miracle. And, and you know, not to say that I'm, I'm always great at it, but that, that's the way that I, I really try to. To approach life, you know, just, just, I think if, you know, if, if you're grateful for the, you know, the, the, if I'm grateful for the many blessings that I have in my life, you know, it's, it's just a lot easier to, to be kind. It's a lot easier to be patient. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to, to be honest with people. You know, I think it, it really all starts from, from gratitude. So, you know, I, I think if, if you're always feeling like, you know, you're, you're cheated from things, you're getting, you know, the short straw and, and, you know, th- things never go your way. You know, it, it I think, you know, you, you become a little bit more impatient, you know, maybe a little, a little greedier, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a lot, a lot harder to, to, you know, kind of think for that, that long-term and, and, you know, build relationships that are the last versus, you know, seeing the world more, transactionally and always being focused on you know getting things you know right now in, in the immediate so yeah if whenever i'm able to to really be be grateful you know it really just orients me to to want to build things interpersonally with other people the right way and and you know that that has longer term dividends and you know i'm i'm definitely you know certainly a work in progress when it comes to to gratitude um but you know definitely you know, more, more productive and, and successful when I'm, I'm really, you know, feeling and recognizing, you know, how lucky I am in life.
2: Yeah. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that answer. That's pretty good. I, <laughs> I I really agree with Nathan that, that it's, you know, it's really easy to focus on the things you don't have, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's great when you focus on the things you do have and, and are really grateful for, for that. And it's, it's all relative, right? There's always going to be, someone with less than you and someone with more than you. And uh, rather than, you know, complaining why you don't have something, uh, be appreciative of of the stuff you do have. And, uh, you know, if there's something you don't have, instead of complaining about it, you know, work, work to get there and and think internally. What, you know, what type of man do I want to be? And what what do I have to do to get there?
0: Nice. That's a great question to ask your subconscious for sure. Yeah. All right, so it's your last chance for uh, your words of wisdom to an up-and-coming entrepreneur.
1: You know, I, I, I don't really want to share words of wisdom necessarily, but, but, but just to say that, you know, I, I love, you know, what, what you do in, in convening groups of entrepreneurs to learn from each other. And, you know, I just, you know, we've learned so much from other entrepreneurs and, and seeing how they, you know, conduct their business, you know, from our clients, you know, from other real estate brokers and and developers that, you know, that's all, all I would say is, you know, we've just been, been privileged to learn a lot and, and to continue to learn every day and, you know, hope other people are in, in those same kind of communities where, you know, you're, you're always open to learning, you know, don't ever think you've got it all figure it out and, and, you know, have people around you to be able to learn from and, and the fact that you convene those groups intentionally. I mean, that that's, that's amazing. And, you know, just, uh, yeah, always want to, want to keep learning and, and growing and, and being open to the myriad wisdom that that's around us.
0: Yeah, yeah, Robert, yeah, for entrepreneurs to think that they're solopreneurs and they, they did this, started this because they don't want to work for somebody anymore. And of course, the truth of entrepreneurship is that you now work for a whole bunch of people because that's the only way you'll ever get paid. <laughs> so <laughs> so so if that's your motivation when you start, it certainly has to mature past that.
2: right. and and Robert, one one lesson I would share we were talking about a little bit earlier was um, when I first started my career in brokerage, you know i was just trying to sell myself and this is i think a good lesson for anyone in a sales sales role that it's um it's really tough to turn down business when you don't have any business but time is is your biggest uh, resource and you don't want to waste your time and when when i first started in brokerage you know i would cold call cold call cold call i would get a meeting and then at the meeting i would just do everything in my power to convince that person to work with me instead of asking the right questions to make sure I wanted to work with them. And I was working with a whole bunch of people that were really never going to pull the trigger on anything and kind of just spin my wheels. So I, I, I know when you don't have a big client list, it's tough to turn down clients, but I just think that's such an important thing to do and make sure you're spending your time wisely when you're uh, starting off your career.
0: Nice. That's great wisdom. Knowing knowing who you want to help and who you identify with can be so powerful. I like that being able to turn down clients and say, you know, we're just not we're just not a good fit. Um, it can be so valuable because uh, saying yes to everybody just waters it down, right? Waters down your message, waters down your passion, and I think you can you can grow your passion when it's focused. So thanks for sharing that. That's really, really powerful. All right. Any other last comments? I appreciate you guys a lot. Thanks for uh, joining me today sharing such great um, excitement about your project. And I I, I think it's going to be a great idea. I can't wait to see the farm and the childcare and the housing all coming together and, and serving the community in, in such a well-rounded way. Um, that's pretty exciting. And then the idea of once you learn all the bugs that you can duplicate it in, in other marketplaces and, and bring that to other communities um, is so powerful. And and I believe in the power of food but around a meal. And so being able to to build this whole concept around around a food, around a meal sitting down at the table with your friends and and your family is is pretty powerful. And so I uh I know those things are going to happen for you guys. I can tell that uh, you've got great things going on and uh, it's just a matter of keep taking those steps every day. So thanks for sharing.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's A D D addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com In our next episode, Trevor shares how he started helping people build websites and then became an expert at LinkedIn. We chat about the buyer's journey and his personal mantras, be brave, be curious, and be grateful.